Welcome to the Dash Podcast. Today, we talk wearing multiple hats with Sherry Ivey. She's one of the leaders of a new five-year high school program that allows students to graduate with their high school diploma and an associate's degree. She's up in North Carolina with their new early college, and she joins me today on an episode, again, about wearing multiple hats. So that's enough for me. Let's go ahead and get into this challenging, meaningful, significant conversation on how to bridge the gap in education. This is The Dads. Um, I am at a school level and I teach and then our school, this is actually the second year that we are Harnett County Early College and this is the second year we've been in existence. Um, And we are small, but we don't have a full administrative staff. Mm. So we have, you know, two of our, like our guidance counselors part-time, our career counselors part-time. So I handle the assistant principal like job duties as well as teaching. So I handle testing and buses, and um, I'm in charge when the principal is away, and I do textbooks, and then I'm also the tech facilitator for our site. Um, so I handle that part as well. And then I teach several different subjects. I teach science, and then I also, um, this year, started teaching history. Wow. Wow. At yes, what sir. levels? Uh, this would be high school. Okay. So I'm doing it 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. Okay. It did. This is our second year in existence, and the way that it works is that students actually have to apply to come to our school, um, and when they do apply, they go through an interview process, but we are a five-year program where students will be graduating not only with their high school diploma, but they will be graduating with a two-year associate's degree that is completely free. Wow. Um, yes. So it's a, it's a five-year program. So tell me, so when do you get the kids? Do you get them as a freshman or do you get them as eighth graders? When we, we get them as freshmen. And when we started last year, we actually started with sophomores and juniors. But this year was our first implementation with freshmen and sophomores. So we have all grade levels now. Okay. Some of our older students, because of classes that they've already completed in high school, they were able to take additional college classes so we have about six students that are going to be graduating a semester early. So instead of being a full 13 year, or going for a full 13 grade level, like grade length, I guess, years in school, they will actually graduate at 12 and a half. Wow. So um, that's, that's amazing. And they have taken advantage of opportunities like summer school through the community college. And we are partnered with Central Carolina Community College is who we are partnered with to gotcha. do this. Gotcha. How many students do you have? Um, we have roughly 80 now, and then next year we're going to go up to around 125. Okay. And you said Central Carolina? Yes, yeah, Central Carolina Community College is the is the community college that we partner with. Hmm. And they have several um, early colleges. There is one in Chatham County that's also with Central Carolina, Lee County, and then you have Johnston County, and then you have Harnett County, wow. all um, with Central Carolina. That's that's really interesting. I'm in Lee County in South Carolina. Or I don't live there, but I work with the school there. And, okay. Um, that the school that they are partnered with, or we're partnered with, is um, Central Carolina Technical College. That's oh, okay. So I wonder if okay. they're in the same kind of family. So that that's just weird. That's just weird to me how you said that. <laughs> and, and, um, and the way you described. Um, 
the way your school runs, I don't think you're alone in that. I think what you're doing is um, definitely uh, extreme, you know, having to to wear multiple hats. I, I know oh, yeah. I hear more of that at charter schools, but I know a lot of schools have to do that too in wearing multiple hats. So how how did you guys build a structure or a foundation that can withstand 80 to 125 students with only have part-time people? I, I'm a part-time guidance counselor myself. I, I guidance counselor okay. two days a week. Uh, and, and it's tough, you know, um, be counseling, do being a guidance counselor is really for where I'm at right now, seventh through ninth grade, because we're rolling up to 10th next year, mm-hmm. 11th, 12th, but then forgetting about the SEL development of K through six. So that's tough. How do you handle the stresses of having to wear multiple hats and still perform at the same level? Well, this I've been in education for 12 years, and before that, I was in corporate America. So I did that earlier on in my career before I decided to go back to school. And I think part of it is I'm just very organized to be able to wear all those multiple hats. Um, I think that's a huge piece of it. We are very fortunate at our school that our part-time individuals, our part-time guidance counselor, she is actually a retired guidance counselor. She spent majority of her career in Wake County, and which is the Raleigh area. So she is very, very knowledgeable. And our career, our career um, counselor, is also a retired educator who spent her time in Harnett County. So the wealth of experience that the two bring, but there are only, currently, we only have three teachers and we are full-time. I am quote-unquote science and history. We have an English teacher and we have a math teacher. And our English teacher is a newer teacher. This is her second year teaching. She's very, very good. But because of the beginning teacher um, requirement. She can't take on a lot of additional roles until she finishes her beginning teacher training. So the math teacher and I are both experienced educators and we, you know, you just pick up, you have to, um, you know, the principal wears enough hats as it is, you know, he's dealing with central office and, and all that comes with that and being a principal. So the rest of these things, you know, they have to be done. And right. You know, you really just have to pick up the pieces and, and continue moving with it. But yeah. being organized helps. Um, one of the things that is so nice about our early college is that we don't have a lot of discipline issues. So when a discipline issue arises or we need to have a conference with a parent, um, we have a, a very open communication between all of us. And, you know, I will email him and say, this is what's going on. Do you want me to make a parent conference? And he'll, you know, say yes or no or what have you. Nine times out of ten, it's yes. And then we bring the parents in. To me, it's so important in education to keep parents involved um, with what's going on, both the good, the bad, and the ugly um, at the schools. And, and we try to do that between things like our Facebook pages and our web pages and things like that with our school. But, yeah. you know, with the jobs, I mean, you understand being part-time and how limited your hours are with workload you probably have to do. Right. You know, I bring a lot of it home. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. Um, depending on the – because I handle testing. Yeah. Um, you know, some weeks it's 50 or 60 hours, you know, right. depending on. But, um, you know, my students – when you truly love and care about students and their success, you just, you do what you have to do. Mm. Mm. So. Mm. How, how did you develop that heart as a teacher? I, 
mean, I've always loved kids. I have my own children, too. I come from a line of educators. My mother is a retired English teacher. Um, I have aunts and uncles that have all been in education, so I have grown up with education in my house. Education has always been very important. Um, All of us kids in my family, we all have at least four-year degrees. We all had great teachers who influenced us, and I like to learn. And one of the ways in my favorite classes, I think, for my students, you know, what's going to make this interesting? What's going to make them grasp this? How, you know, how can we move forward with this information so you end up with content mastery? And a lot of it is through hands-on. It's through real-world examples to get these kids to understand. And knowing that you're making an impact on the future is, to me, one of the things that is so humbling as an educator. Um, it, It just really makes it worthwhile in what you do. And, I mean, the kids are great. And I have taught both middle school and high school. Um, I started in high school, and then for years I did middle school. I was an administrator at a middle school for two years. And then um, I am back at high school where I am both an educator and an administrator. So um, I do like high school better, um, only because you don't deal with, believe it or not, like where we are, you don't deal with quite as much drama as you do in middle school. Everything is not so absolute. Um, as it is in middle school, and you understand because you're in middle school, right? Or what we call middle school, yeah. which would be like your sixth, seventh, eighth grade yeah. time frame. Yeah, that's it. So, as an administrator, I'd love to be in middle school. I would love to be in an elementary school because you really can work with the teachers to develop wonderful lessons and wonderful curriculums to really engage the kids. And they're just, even at that age, although in middle school they can be more mouthy, they need you in middle school still. <laughs> Whereas in high school, their students are so much more independent. Right. Like, you know, they really, you really have to stay on your toes and be watchful to, to look for things that might be bothering your kids. Yeah. So. Yeah. How long have you been a teacher? Um, this is my 12th year in education. Okay. Is, was it... Um... Was it something that you saw yourself in for a long time, like before it happened? I always wanted to be a high school biology teacher. That's what I wanted to do growing up because I love science. And um, I went to school, um, ran out of money my first year of college, and had to quit and go to work. So I worked three jobs and worked my way through community college um, up north. And then my parents retired down to North Carolina. So I moved down um, about a year after they did. Uh, with my family and my children and just continued working in corporate America. Um, The nice thing was I did make good money. Um, Actually, more money than I make as an educator. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. um, I got a job down here when we moved um, with uh, what is now Pfizer. It used to be Wyeth in their auditing department and did that for about four years. And they started doing massive layoffs. Hmm. Um, They were laying off 1,500 people worldwide at a time and just talked with my husband and said, you know, I really want to go back to school. I really want to finish my degree and go into teaching. And that's what I did. Okay. So I was an adult with a mortgage and two kids and quit and went back to school full time and finished in two years and graduated with honors. Wow. 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 Well, so, that's, that's amazing. To, 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 it takes special people to be a teacher. It's not something that everybody can do. Um, how do you build people around you um, that help you be better? 
I mean, they help the school grow. How do you develop the people around you to be better? Yeah. One of the things that I did as an administrator, and, and I, I truly believe in this, is that I always had an open-door policy, and I still have an open-door policy. If you need to talk to me about something, if something is going on, my door is always open. And I feel that that's one of the best ways to earn trust and respect with your fellow educators or even the staff that reports to you because you do have that policy. And, you know, if they have ideas that they need to bounce off of me or, you know, things that, you know, they're just really not sure of, I'm always happy to talk to them. And I'm happy to basically dig in and get dirty with them, too. So if they need help with something, I'm always willing to help. Um, One of the things at the school I'm at now that's really, I mean, we have to work together. We have to work together as a team in order, because there's so few of us, to get everything done. Um, People don't realize when it's a startup school, all the responsibilities that have to take place. And then when you add the college aspect into it, you know, it's even more. And I think, you know, just really feeding off of each other and what needs to be done and stepping in, you know, when someone is not able to or um, can't finish a job or just needs some extra hands. I think that's part of it. And that really builds a team. When they know that you have their best interest at heart and that you really care about their end product or what they're doing, um, it just it makes it a cohesive environment. And it, again, builds that trust. Yeah. Where did, where did the idea come from to um, start this school? You said it's two years old. Were you involved in that startup process? Where, where, did, your, where did you come in in building the school? I was not part of this, well, I was part of the startup school, but not part of the startup process. From my understanding, there is actually almost 100 early colleges. Every district in the state, for the most part, has some sort of early college type of program. Uh, North Carolina also has something called the Career and College Promise, where a regular high school student can go ahead and take college classes online through whatever that, whatever their high school is. Um, with this program, this has actually been in the work for many years uh, with a wonderful woman. Her name is Dr. Holmes. She was one of the visionaries with this program and bringing this program to Harnett County. And um, when it came out to about two and a half years ago that an early college was going to be started, I actually went to our curriculum and development assistant superintendent and told her that if it worked out that I would like to be considered for the science position at the early college. And I got a call from her a couple weeks later and said, would you like it? And at the time, I was not even sure who the principal was. It just so happened to work out that my principal was my principal at my middle school several years ago. Um, And he and I have a great working relationship. I love him to death. Um, He is a person and an educator and administrator that truly has the student's best interest at heart. And um, the rest is history. And I started with him. And and we have been the same staff. We have not had any change in staff in the last two years. Really? Really? That's -hmm. that's impressive. So that speaks to the culture that you guys have been able to develop and, and give. What does it mean to be an educator in today's society, which is a global society? I think to be an educator in today's society, you you really have to be willing to look outside the box 
um, you, you know, I think back to when my mom was an educator and although she, you know, she cared for her students and she made things so hands-on in her, both her English and her social studies classrooms and, and the things that she tried to do. And she taught in middle school, the, the things and the items and the personalities that these kids are bringing today, you have to truly know as an educator that they are more than what they're bringing to you, mm-hmm. but you have to treat the whole child. Mm. And that's what's important. One of the things that I always made sure of when I was a middle school teacher, and even as an administrator in middle school, I always had food in my desk or in my office because no hungry child can learn. And I used to have kids that were on the football team or were on the basketball team, and they were always hungry. School lunches were not enough, and they couldn't afford anymore because they were on either the reduced or the free lunch program. Mm -hmm. So that's all they had. So... I used to have kids come up to me all the time, Miss Ivy, do you have, do you have any crackers? Do you have any granola bars? I always had food for those kids hmm. because I knew that if come after lunch, if they were in my class and they were not full, they were not satisfied, I could have issues in my classroom. Hmm. You know what I mean? I could have kids that are tired or kids that are irritable because they're hungry. It's the same thing with supplies when you're looking at these kids. <clears throat> I don't care what part of the country you're in. There's basic, like, school supplies. Not all kids have those school supplies. And even when they come from a good home, those kids can forget their pencil. I'm never going to kick a kid out of my class because he doesn't have a pencil. I give the kid a pencil and we move on. You know, so I think, like, you really, in today's education, you really have to pick your battles and figure out what is most important to you. Is it getting this student in education? Is it having them sit in your class? Or is it kicking them out of your room and kicking them to the curb because they don't have the materials that they need. I don't think that's being very compassionate. Hmm. Um, These kids today, though, they think they're tech savvy. They think that they're smarter than those of us (laughs) that are older with technology. You know, they bring those facets. You have to stay on the forefront of technology. You have to stay on the forefront of of apps that are going on, movies, content. Um, I show YouTube videos in my classroom a lot of educators would say oh we're not using YouTube there are some great great sources on YouTube but you have to know where to look is it all good no but for educational reasons for a three or four minute video that you can build on and you can pull those kids in and make it relevant to them so that they'll learn to me that's worth it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that's amazing how do you so what, what's the application process like to get into the Hornet County, Hornet County Early College? So the application process, our applications are online. Students have, it's actually a couple of months to get all the information they need. They do have to include um, in their application, if there's an essay about why they want to come to the Early College. Uh, there is, they have to get their transcripts, their attendance record, their discipline record, and then recommendations. So they need to get recommendations from um, teachers and administrators in their building, and then they can also do someone from outside that's not family. So someone like a pastor or a youth leader, you know, if they're in some sort of club, or if they volunteer, they could get a, a recommendation from someone like that. And then they go through an interview process. So they come in and they interview. We have different teams set up. And they would interview with the team, and we talk to the student, and then we also talk to the parents. 
and there's a standard set of questions about basically why they want to come to the early college. You know, we are we are very progressive. It is a very fast-paced environment because they need to finish their high school classes sooner to get this additional 60 hours of college in. Yeah. So a normal freshman in high school would take English their freshman year, would take would take English one, would take math one, would take probably earth environmental science and then world history and then their electives. For our students, their electives are going to be their college classes. And we have a couple classes they actually get dual credit for. So they get high school credit and college credit. But you know, these students need to understand, for example, all of us teachers, we all give homework. A lot of these students are never used to having homework. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that especially like our freshmen coming in and we have a large freshman class, but they're a wonderful group of kids. And, you know, for them to finally understand this is how it is, but it took some kicking and screaming in the beginning with homework. And our principal makes no, he makes no matter, or he's completely matter of fact about it, no bones about it. If you can't do what you're supposed to do, you're going back to your high school. Hmm. Because it is an application. And we have so many students that want to get in, which is the most wonderful part of it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's great. So how do you expect the school to continue um, to grow in the next year, two, three, four? The fact that we're going to be going from roughly 80 students now up to about 125 we are pretty much for our building going to be at capacity. And we are in a very neat building. We are in the old training school in Harnett County. And um, it it's probably at least probably about 100 years old or so the building is. So it has the beautiful hardwood floors and it has the really high ceilings. And um, the architect that built it actually built it so that there's not shadows on your hands if you're writing. <clears throat> because they didn't mm-hmm. have lights in the original building. But we will outgrow our space eventually if we want to continue to, if the district, and of course this is a district decision, but if the district wants to um, continue to have us increase enrollment. So I could see down the road um, either moving to a larger facility on a college campus, like the main college campus in Harnett County, um, or even the addition of a second early college on the other side of the county. Uh, our county is kind of long. It's sort of a big kind of weird-shaped county. <laughs> but, you know, I could even see two um, if need be. Our campus in particular, we have the culinary school on our campus, and we have the barbering school on our campus for Central Carolina. Gotcha. So we have both of those. Okay. So the kids get to take advantage of the food so from you, the culinary school. <laughs> so you have a, a big variety of students that come to your class or come to your school. We do. That's amazing. That's great. Well, Shay, how, how can how can someone that has listened to this podcast interview and wants to know more about you or wants to know more about how to start a school like yours or come visit, how can we find you? The best place to start would be our webpage, um, which is through the Harnett County Schools website so it's just www.harnett and that's h-a-r-n-e-t-t dot k12 dot nc dot us and if you go to schools and click 
click on the link for uh, for Harnett County Early College, and you'll see our webpage. And I know our principal, uh, Mr. McPherson, is always up for visitors and would love to talk to people about how our school is doing and the wonderful things that we have going on. That would be a great place to start. All right, right on, right on. Is there anything else that you want to leave us with before we go? I think for anybody that's listening to us that's in education, um, is I guess the best advice I can give is just stick with it and don't ever give up because we are a network. And use, I guess, experienced educators as your backbone. You know, I think that's one of the most important things, especially for young teachers that are coming up, because I remember being that first-year teacher, and I needed my colleagues more than they ever knew to get through the day. And we need to laugh about it, and we need to laugh about the things that happen and let it roll off and remember that tomorrow is always a new day, and it's a new day in our classroom, and we start fresh every single day. Yes. Right on, right on. Well, thank you so much. And you heard it from Miss Sherry Ivy. If you like it, if you're a principal, assistant principal, guidance counselor, teacher, superintendent, district level, administration, whatever the case is, if you like this episode, please share it and go find Sherry at Hornet County Schools in North Carolina. I thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. This is The Dash.